Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Let's Talk Surgery FST series. I am your host, Gregory Carter, and with me, as always, is Ceci. Ceci, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks, Greg. Great. Today on the new FST series, we have with us David Reagan, who I'm sure needs no introductions, but we'll get him to introduce himself to us. David? Greg and Ceci, very much indeed. I'm the director of the Faculty of Surgical Trainers. I've been the consultant cardiac surgeon for 20 years, and I established the Silver Scalpel Award to recognize the best trainer of the land when I was president of the ASSET back in 1999. And I'm continuing my training endeavors with a new online Black Belt Academy of Surgical Skills. You've clearly done a lot for training and and um, trainers uh, over the years and this series is a testament to your continued dedication to improving surgical training and we commend you for that as our first guest on the series we will go through some questions that will help get to know you a bit better but also uh, talk a bit about your inspiration over the years so without further ado we'll start Who has been your best trainer and why? I think the most significant trainer, and this is only in retrospect, was the first consultant I worked for when I joined the Bath SHO rotation in 1987. Firstly, his name is Mr. William Walter Frederick Southwood, which is a lovely name. And with that name came a morning suit and trousers with a watch pocket and chain. And he had a lovely round smiling face. He was master of the apothecaries at the time, and I had joined the apothecaries, so I sort of knew him. But what I liked was he treated you as a colleague, taught you basic surgical skills, insofar as that I wanted to do a Ramstead procedure, and I wanted to learn how to do mastectomies as well. And he said, Mr. O'Regan, and he he called me Mr. O'Regan, and there was a a mutual respect there. He said, Mr. O'Regan, we need to teach you how to hold the knife properly and how to cut properly before you do that. I love the way he conducted ward rounds and I recall the story, the colloquialism as presenting ward round would say this chap. And he turned around and said, Mr. Regan, please refrain from referring to my patients as chaps. And he was very patient focused. And what I also liked is When he wrote notes, he brought out this fountain pen and his writing was like calligraphy as he wrote in the notes and kept documentation. But he treated you as a colleague and taught you about professionalism. When we had finished operating, I would actually say to Mr. Southwood, would you like to go and have a cup of tea and I'll close for you? And I did so and I knew he knew because he used to put interrupted black silk sutures in the skin, which I felt that was from his era, but I always changed that to a subcuticular stitch to make it more aesthetically pleasing. He knew I did that, and he knew I sent him for a cup of tea as well. On another occasion, he said, Mr. Regan, do you have a jacket? because I was going to go and help him in his clinic in the private sector. And I said, yes, sir. He said, excellent. 
lunch at the club. But that wasn't an old boys thing and, and could be interpreted as such. It just was being treated professionally as a colleague and his respect for the tissues, his, he was a Zorro with a knife. Fabulous man, absolutely fabulous man. You can hear and feel the, the enthusiasm, the respect, and I think a lot of us will attest to having trainers similar to that and uh, know where you come from with that. So thanks for sharing that. Second question, what do you enjoy about training? We've heard a lot about your history with, with training and fostering good training. So what, what, are your, what are the key things you enjoy about training? I love seeing my trainees succeed. Uh, whether we're doing in the wet lab or in theatre, uh, completing a task, doing a perfect anastomosis, closing the aorta, and seeing and feeling their pride and sense of achievement standing opposite is fantastic. Likewise, I've had the pleasure of the years of seeing my trainees get consultant jobs, and I've had the pleasure of appointing two of my trainees as colleagues on the unit as well. And I think, it, I think it's important always to appoint people better than yourself. And the trainees have got, have got beautiful hands. And I remember seeing that Kalyana when he was an SHO and it was his first job in the country with me. And we we're closing the sternum and as a measure of how dexterous he was and the trainees, I would start from the bottom end and being on the opposite side of the table, he'd start from the top end of the stenotomy. And usually I'd get two thirds way long the stenotomy to meet the assistant closing from the other end. But I noted even as an SHO, he was meeting me at least halfway, if not more, down that stenotomy. Not by being quick, but just being beautiful with his hands. And to see him succeed as a consultant colleague now gives a great deal of satisfaction. But to see all the trainees succeed in completing a task and their personal satisfaction and growth, that's what gives me the thrill and the pleasure of teaching. Well, that's amazing. And it's so lovely that you're able to share those stories with us. Um, so moving on to practices in theater, I'm a great lover of music, and I know you appreciate music as well. If you played music in theatre, what would you play? Well, interestingly enough, I do play th music in theatre, and I used to have an eclectic collection, but more recently turned to country music and play country music in theatre. Now, I like country music in theatre because it is not loud, banging music. Uh, you can hear the vocals. I, I actually think the, the lyrics, to my mind, are very amusing. And there's one song that is sung. It talks about a John Deere tractor. And the singer's saying, she thinks my tractor's sexy. And I, I, it creases me up with laughter every time I hear that. But there's, and what's interesting, the, the team have come to enjoy country music. And I know the anesthetists have downloaded Blake Shelton and others as well. Nice. Obviously. The music is turned down for counting and in periods of uh, concentration. But to my mind, the music is in the background. It's helping me stay in the zone because if when it's off, I do find there's still a lot of noise and distraction in theater. Uh, 
I do respect some people don't like the country music and turn it off for one or two particular individuals. But in general, most people think it's amusing and enjoy the fun. After a, a big theater day, and as we done the debrief, I then with on my smartphone got a whole collection from 60s to 70s to 80s to 90s to modern to classical. So we actually run a session and I'll ask people to say, what would you like to play? So as we debrief, and after our debrief of a strenuous day, we pump up the volume as we're packing up and mopping the floors. And I think music de-stresses and it, it's, it's kind of fun. Everybody's enjoying the lyrics and calling out their favorite songs as well. That's amazing. I, I personally am partial to a bit of Queen and Freddie Mercury as we're winding down because it just gives me that boost I need for the end of the day. Well, the one comment I had, I, I was called into the most horrific case that I've ever experienced in my life was a 36-year-old woman who was 36 weeks pregnant with an aortic dissection. And I was called, and I'd never seen this before, but apparently aortic ectasia and tricuspid ectasia is not uncommon. And this, and I said, get the woman to theater, get that baby out now. And I walked in and the neonatal people were there, the, the gynae people were there, the anesthetist was there. The whole theater was full of teams who are focusing on what to do. And there's a degree of chaos. And apparently I walked in and I said, right, what we need is country music. At the end of it, uh, she spent, uh, uh, the team's work to get her through this operation over the week was amazing. And she went to Papworth and came back and spent in hospital for three months. But she got home because she wanted to see her daughter go to school for the first time. And uh, yes, that, uh, that was an incredible, incredible, not forgettable experience. That is incredible, just showing the beauty of teamwork and the ability of music to bring people together and calm them down. Now, moving on, what surgical or profession-specific tool can you not live without? So you're going to that desert island and you can only bring one tool. What would it be? That would have to be the surgical blade, the 22 blade. I know as a trainee, one is very hesitant using the blade and you tend to use a smaller blade. But as you become more senior, I suddenly realized that the large sharp blade is more effective for dissecting tissue. Clean dissection is sharp dissection. And using the 22 blade, but like Mr. Southwood did, he was Zorro with the 22 blade to actually brush the blade against the tissues and see the tissue planes part cleanly with no bleeding and separating is fabulous. So I think a 22 blade would be big enough to attend to most of the needs. Unfortunately, I'd have to keep it sharp uh, and it, perhaps you could sharpen it on a stone or something on your desert island, but that would enable you to repair food, whittle tools, uh, remove, if necessary, any penetration spikes that you get from the sea and sea urchins with a knife. But the surgeon cannot do without a knife. Touche. Uh, I, I would 
I would agree with that entirely. But the one comment I had was the enthusiasm with which you speak about your best training reference to him every now and then. I can only hope that someday uh, a trainee of mine in future talks about me that way. Uh, so hats off to him. Next question for you. Uh, what one book, medical or otherwise, have you enjoyed most? Well, I've got, I, I read this as two books, okay? And there are two books. And the first one is The Color Atlas of Physiology. Uh, <laughs> and this was actually printed in 1986 when, when I just uh, came out as a qualified doctor in 1985. And this is by, what I like is Agamemnon Despopoulos. <laughs> now, there's a certain alliteration to that. But there's a mystery to it because reading from the preface is, is that he set out in put to sea from uh, Berzetta in Tunisia and their intention was to cross the Atlantic in a sailing boat. This is the last time they ever heard of him and they had to abandon all hope of seeing him again. So the author set off into the sea and disappeared and never to be heard again. But what I love about this book is that on the left-hand side, you've got a beautiful summary of physiology. But on the right-hand side, you've got wonderful diagrams explaining that physiology. So I think this is like a comic book of physiology. And the explanation is concise. The diagrams are beautiful. And it's, it's inspired me to write a book in the same manner because I'm quite visual. I like pictures. And I learn more by looking at pictures. And this has it all. Great name. The other book, which is non-medical, I only came across this year, which has resonated profoundly with my philosophy on how we should be managing and leading in the NHS, but more importantly, how we should be teaching. And you'll be familiar with Bob Chapman, who's the CEO of Barry Waymiller, and he was our headline speaker at the FST conference. And he wrote this wonderful book, co-author with Raj Sisodia, Everybody Matters, The Extraordinary Power of Caring for Your People Like Your Family. Now, we've got process in the NHS. Purpose of looking after the patient should be evident in everything we do. But I think we forget the people. And we do say you lead with hearts and minds. You lead with a heart and not with a mind. And what he does, he actually counts the heart count in his companies. He looks at his divorce rate. He looks at his absentee rate. And he's inspired that everybody that comes in to work in his company, he feels he has a duty of care to look after them. The retention rate in this global company is huge. The philosophy is profound and he's currently leading the world in new thinking and how to live a business. But when you think about it, work is a social construct. It's relationships, it's people. And in this mad world of ours, we should be holding on to those relationships, growing them and respecting the people. You're here. And, you know, I think that is one of the key messages for our world today, you know, give, given everything that's, that's gone on, recognition of the humans and the people 
that we work with, I think it's of utmost importance. The next question is one that is dear to me and one that I think I need to learn a lot about. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. How do you keep your work-life balance? Well, at the present moment in time, my interest is in martial arts. Uh, I've been taking my sons since the age of four to martial arts, and this is a family academy. And I've been taking him until he was six and seven, and they said, go on, go on, join. And I, yes, I used to go to the gym and pump iron and work out. And I looked at this and I thought, there's no way that I could get beyond green or blue belt because I don't bend that way. Anyway, so I joined the martial arts. And it's really refreshing to become a student. And a lot of my thinking and current thinking about teaching has been derived from being a student again. So I have a great deal of pleasure now training with my son who is now taller than me. He's 14, he's taller than me. And, when, and we're both, he got his second down 2018, and I got my second down in karate 2019. But on top of that also, I enjoy the discipline and the practice and the philosophy and the sort of meditation that goes with Iaido, which is the art of the sword. And you could say that yoga and meditation with attitude. But what is really nice about it, it, it is a discipline, it is an art. And the word to describe your presence using the sword is serenity. And as I look through that and look through the texts described by Miyamoto Mashushi of what it is like to be a surgeon, this is the, from the art. It says, think of what is right and true. Practice and cultivate the science. Become acquainted with the arts. Know the principles of the craft. Understand the harm and benefit in everything. Learn to see everything accurately. Become aware of what's not obvious. Be careful even in small matters and do not do anything useless. And I look at that and say, what a code for surgeons. Mr. Reagan, one comment from me would be layers. I am fascinated at the number of layers that comes with you. You continue to amaze me. Yeah, I, I am truly fascinated to learn more and more about you each time we have a conversation. Thank you. Well, I find that this next question might almost be a little bit useless with all the pearls of wisdom you've already given. I mean, my personal one I'll take from our conversation so far is don't do anything useless because I think it applies to so many things in life. But I'll give you a chance to sum up, if you can, all your years of experience in one pearl. So if you were to pick something that you were to give to a trainee, the very best advice you have received or you can give to a trainee, what would it be? Oh, I've, I've struggled hard with that. And I would say, listen and be curious and have fun. Uh, it's a, that's a very difficult one, but I've given you three. Listen, be curious and have fun. I think truer words have never been spoken. A lot of trainees forget to have fun when they're training. And I personally believe that training shouldn't have to hurt to be, to be effective. So thank you 
On so the contrary, I agree with you. I think we run the risk of surgical training at the moment becoming so transactional, we're losing the fun and the camaraderie. When we think about it, we are fellows of the Royal Colleges. We should respect and treat each other as fellows, and not fellow hoodlums, all right, but <laughs> fellows, and fellows with an F and fun. Appreciate Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. And as Greg said, there's so many layers to you, and I think we could probably talk to you for hours at a time. But I think this little series has given us a snapshot into what it was like for you in training and as a trainer. And I'm sure our listeners will be very, very lucky and so privileged to have this experience with you. So thank you. Thank you, Cersei, and thank you, Greg. I'm honored. Here, here. Thank you. See you for the next episode of the FST series. Until then, be kind to each other and remember to have fun in surgical training and country music just might get you through your long, difficult case. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye, guys.